welcome to Obey Your Strengths with Gallup Certified Strengths Coach and self-proclaimed Strengths Geek, Kathy Kirsten. Hi, Strengths fans. Kathy Kirsten here with my guest, Anthony Coppage. Anthony, hello. How are you? Hi, Kathy. I am super excited to be here with your listeners. Well, I'm thrilled that you're here with me today. I am looking forward to this conversation. You know, Anthony, before we even share your top five, let's talk about how we know each other. We met because we are both StrengthsFinder fans, that, and we came across each other on Twitter, right? That's correct. That's correct. That's where it starts. That's so many starts. of my connections since like 2007 when I joined there have happened because of Twitter. It's been a great connector. Well, it's been over five years for, for us. So I think you may have been one of the only people that I met off of Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so fun to hear you say that you have created lots of friends from Twitter or found lots I of have. friends from Twitter. <laughs> and you may be my only one, which is surprising since I have woo, right? I mean, <laughs> it's surprising to me, but we actually but do transferred... you have digital woo. This is no, the strength we've got to discover. I definitely don't have digital woo. <laughs> Mine is more in person, face to face, and but but we became good friends, and we learned a little bit about each other's strengths, and we got to talk about strengths back in 2017. So it's been a while it, uh, since you and I yeah. have gotten to connect. I reached out and hired you because I knew you could help me. I was in a really tough place where I couldn't figure out why things weren't working. Mm. I was just really up against the wall, and when you've believed something about yourself. And you can't figure out why what you believe isn't manifesting to be real. You start questioning yourself and then you question what you believe and the, the self-doubt creeps in. And Kathy, you were instrumental in helping me, not just with my top five strengths, using StrengthsFinder. You helped me understand how to see fully who I could be based on who I was meant to be. And that was super helpful. And I've taken that to be a launch pad, a springboard for how I approach that self-reflection, that self-awareness, so that I'm more self-aware and help others be that. So I, you know, in my job, and we'll talk about all this stuff, the thing that keeps coming back full circle is when I help people learn how to be self-aware um, and how to reflect like that, it does wonders for their personal life, for their career, and it's one of the more powerful things. And I actually owe so much of that to you. So thank you. Oh. Oh my gosh. Wow. What an honor. Let me just tell you from the first time we began our, the first time we spoke, your talent of communication was blinding to me. And I knew that it had to be in your top five. And I know that it, you've taken it again and, and you've shifted gears in a little way. So we're going to talk about what your current top five are, but it's in your top 10, but it's definitely what I would call a God-given talent. I mean, you just have it in spades and I've enjoyed following you and reading your work on LinkedIn and as well as I've even tapped into your talent, but let's, let's, let's not get too far down this road. Let's, let's talk about your top five strengths, Anthony. Uh, tell me your top five and, and a little bit about each one. Strategic, ideation, activator, relator, and command. These are the top five strengths finders, uh, strengths that I have today, but they weren't always my top five. I've actually had a communication was number five, and it's since rolled off and been replaced by command. So a little bit about each one. Um, if there's one strength I must obey, and you're going to get to that later, but it's strategic. It's my top strength. I cannot not be strategic. I know it's a double negative. That's improper English, but it's the truth that I, I can't help it. Um, I see disparate things and they make sense to me. I see patterns where others see just 
stuff, data. Um, I look and I wonder and I ask what if and why not a lot. And it's because I'm not trying to solve for the thing. I'm solving for why the thing is in even the thing, right? I'm always pulling that onion skin, the layers back to get to root cause analysis and get to the why. Why is that important? Why do we believe that? What if that's not true? And asking these questions is never the attack on the person. It's always an inspection and understanding of the idea or the concept. Because when we get to what's actually the truth, well, that lets us, even if that truth is ugly, it lets us then deal with it and decide how we want to move forward versus, you know, working on symptoms. That's the top on strategic ideation. Idea is very easy to me. People often come to me for ideas and brainstorming. Um, I actually read a book called The Six Thinking Hats by Edward de Bono, who said uh, he worked with NASA and he said, you know, the joke that that doesn't take a rocket scientist. He goes, well, I actually had rocket scientists in the room and um, and they had a hard time collaborating together and, you know, how to make the brainstorming work. So I'm, I'm, I'm big on ideas. Um, activator, I love helping others succeed. And in that succeed, um, people often put a dollar sign or, you know, some financial financial number next to, but I actually want them to feel more value and to create more value. So it's both. It's a both end, double-edged sword. Uh, relator, um, clearly I am relational. I'm relational to the core. I relate with people. It is the way I see the world. I was leading uh, at IBM, which we'll talk about, uh, agile digital sales transformation. And one portion of the business, there were a group of sellers that were in some transactional sales. And I said to them, you know, you're in transactional sales, but that doesn't mean you have to be transactional about it. And then there's the relator, you know, popping out. And then command is, um, is really tied into something that I'd love to talk with you about, which is while that strength is true in and of itself, I'm also Myers-Briggs personality profile, ENTJ. I'm 3% of the population. It's a relatively small uh, percentage. The second least uh, common combination of, of Myers-Briggs personality profiles, ENTJ. And the, 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 the archetype for that is the field marshal. So it's a general of generals. It's the person who leads the leaders. And again, if you look at that as my kind of grouping, then my top five strengths is the house I build on top of that foundation. And then I, the third thing would be Enneagram where mm -hmm. I, am a type one wing two. And basically it's, it's the way I'm built to be in the world, the way I experience and, and shape the world through my strengths. And then the way others experiencing me is the Enneagrams and the whole thing is my house. So it's the way I think uh, holistically about myself. So that's more than you wanted, but there's the, the full answer. Oh, I love the framework you just set up for me because I can see that in you. Tell me, tell the audience, tell us, what do you do for a living? <laughs> so, you know, this is one of those things that it's so hard to answer because if I give the answer of the title, no one knows what the title means. So <laughs> I help people discover what they don't know they know so that the things they think they know, they don't really know, you know? Um, that's... <laughs> That's what I do. Um, technically, I'm in the Agile side of things. Agile started uh, in t in 20 years ago now, uh, and it was the idea of there's got to be a better way to build software. If you go back then in the 90s, I remember Windows 1995. And what was the next one after that, Kathy? Do you remember? Mm -hmm. Windows 98, three years, three years before there was a new piece of software. Three years. Mm -hmm. Now your iPhone has updates on the hour, on the day, you don't think about software updates. The reason is because agile, because someone said there's a better way to bring something to fruition. And it's by empowering small teams to work rapidly 
on shorter chunks of work and to build towards something bigger and to do so in a very empowered way that says it's let's add customer at the center and not the business at the center. Let's make it all about the customer experience. And what they've created is this way of working that was very popular in software development. I now bring that to life in marketing and, and sales for IBM. I can make connections of how your strengths would serve you very, very well in that role. You might have to tease those out as we go along today. But you've, you've got lots of self-awareness here. And that's one thing that I've always appreciated for you. And I hope that we draw the, out the, the value of that today, Anthony. So many folks... Um, are held back by the lack of their own self-awareness. And I know that you, you are passionate about that and you've helped many other people discover more about themselves. And so I can't wait to hear your, your frame of thinking on that in a moment. But before we get to that, <laughs> let's well, talk about... Well, I'm ready about, to learn. Let's yeah, go. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk, about, let's talk about strengths just a tad more. When you discovered these words for yourself? Were they a surprise or did it change the way you saw yourself? You know, give me some of that storyline of understanding yourself at a strength mm. level. That's a really, it seems like such a simple question, but it's a, it's a powerful one because for me, it helped me discover truths about myself. Um, the truth, right? So there's two ways you can look at yourself. You can look at yourself of how you operate and you can look and see, is it healthy or is it unhealthy? Is it out of uh, a healthy function or a dysfunction? And what I what was revealed was that there was a lot about me I was doing out of um, false um, premises, right? So I believe lies about myself that weren't true. And once I discovered what the truth is, you can replace the lie with the truth. And that, that changes everything. That's a lot of work, by the way. Lots of therapy, lots of counseling, right? Things that I did the work. If you do that level of work, the self-reflection is... Um, is a greater discovery of true identity because my identity was wrapped up for years in what I did. So when you would ask the title, what do you do? I couldn't wait to tell you because that's who I was. No, that's what I do out of who I am. Right. Oh, and there's a big a, difference. That's a copagism. <laughs> what I do out of who I am. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Keep going. I love it. Well, so for me, you know, uh, my wife, Babs, is um, one of the most self-aware people on the planet, and, and she would be quick to, to be demure about it. But um, I, I learned something. You know, she taught me about intentionality, Kathy, and intentionality. I, we would have issues, and, uh, you know, something would come up, and I would be like, well, babe, I didn't mean, you know, to do that. And I would say that a lot. And she says, right, but you didn't mean not to. And the intentionality to do something is great, but then there's a, the yang of that, the yin and the, the yang is what did you intend not to do? So it slows me down. I'm, I'm very quick on my feet. I'm glib. I've got this communicator strength, but I can move too fast. And, and what the downside of that was being able to go tap the brakes, think it through and then come to something that maybe I can have an even better approach because the empathy by which I do and bring myself to something is more powerful than the knowledge and the experience that I have. Man, isn't that a powerful combination whenever you have the empathy? That's emotional intelligence, isn't it? Is that how you would describe it? It is. It's how I would put language mm -hmm. to it. Yes. Do we know where empathy is? Is it up in your... I know you're a very empathetic person. Did it show up? Oh, on um, yeah, I, I feel big. Um, you know, I had a counselor say, you know, you and Babs are two people who feel big. And the mm -hmm. thing about that is that's not bad, but it does mean that when it's hard for you, it's extra hard. So where most people would, you know, it wouldn't be so bad. It would be really hard for you. The converse of that, he said, was that when it's really great for you, it's 
typically beyond what most people would experience. So you, you get that roller coaster, but you also get higher highs. Uh, so for me, I looked at that as strengths, right? How do I manage my strengths? Because I mean, how do I maximize my strengths? Because that makes the highs better. And then how do I manage my weakness? How do I get through the dips? Because we're going to face them. Um, so all those things have become a part of this lexicon, I guess, around describing things. But I try not to use those terms when I'm just talking to someone else because it does, I don't want it to be a, a scientific approach to a, an emotional conversation. I, I want to re- resonate with who they are and validate where they're coming from, even if where they're coming from, we should challenge and work through, right? I don't want to challenge them. I want to challenge the thing. And, and it helps people not to be defensive. So we can have hard conversations because people think, um, you know, lack of conflict, you know, conflict at work is hard, for example. Well, conflict's not bad. It's just unhealthy conflict that's bad. But there is no innovation in this world today that came around because everybody agreed. You know, the reason a smartphone exists is because someone had a contrarian point of view. They disagreed. And because of that disagreement, we have invention, we have innovation. You will never innovate in a compliant, agreeable, everybody's on the same page kind of thing. It's is difference between alignment and agreement. And I want people aligned. I don't need them to agree. Is a lot of your work in teams? Because I can imagine that's a yes. great way. Okay. Okay. So it's not just that you coach leaders or that you coach certain SMEs and different working groups, but you do coach entire teams and help them see that conflict is healthy. Yes, absolutely. You know, when I started at IBM, I I ran, like I said, the agile digital sales transformation. So I had in the United States alone was 26 teams. Um, So I trained over a thousand reps and managers um, just in that space alone. And now I work with the marketing group and our transformation of the agile marketing and what we're doing with over 3000 marketers worldwide. And so I'm part of the agile transformation team and I have a, a scaling role there to help figure out because people don't scale. So what does systems and processes and how do you manage the tension between people and process? Cause you always want to be people over process, but you know, so it's, these are things that are just difficult. And so that you have to have discussion, you have to work through what your value is, what the values you're aligning to are so that if the things you're doing don't feel like those values, that it's psychologically safe for people to raise a hand and say, Hey, this doesn't match, right? We have a, an easy acrostic, uh, respect, openness, courage, empathy, trust, R-O-C-E-T, rocket. And what we teach is that if, if at any point what we're doing or having you do or the workflow, your, your coordination, collaboration, you know, um, with other teams is, doesn't feel respectful, open, courageous, empathetic, uh, or, or, or there's trust, empathy, or trust. If that doesn't exist, you need to say something, not because we're pointing at someone bad, but because we're pointing at something on, on whole. We want to create the wholeness of that. And that's our responsibility. That's the accountability opportunity is it, that is not a punitive position, right? That is a restorative position and the difference is significant. Ah, I can imagine how your strengths, the command strength, if we just looked at that one, how you can know just the right way to call people into accountability around the rocket framework, I, you know, because you won't shy away, will you? No, I don't shy away. I don't. But, you know, one of the things is I don't fear leadership um, at IBM or anywhere. I just don't fear leadership. And in a lot of cultures, um, you know, you go into them and, and there's people that are treated differently the higher up you get. I, I, a quick anecdote of that was um, the GM for all of uh, worldwide for digital sales, Luca. Uh, he was uh, 
he was, his group was tasked with bringing me in. And so I got asked to come in. I spent a week with Luca and his team and I was in 23 or 26 meetings with him, um, in five days. And, and they said, well, we want to, we want to understand what, what it would look like to be more agile. And so I was with him the whole time. And at the end I said, Luca, what would you say was, uh, the best, uh, you know, part of this? And what was the opportunity that you would want me to take away from our time together? He said, um, he said, you know, probably it's my position, but people sometimes treat me often. He said, treat me differently. Uh, he said, you don't, you just treat me like Luca. And I really like that. Um, I don't fear leaders and it's a thing that I, I'm just there to help solve. And they're a person, they put pants on one leg at a time, like I do. And, uh, I've just learned that if I put people on pedestals, they tend to fall off and that's because they didn't meet my expectation, but that's not fair. Um, so I just don't try to put them on pedestals anymore and they don't tend to fall off. When you said, I don't fear leadership, I took it the other way, Anthony, of, I don't fear taking leadership. And I, I Mm. think both apply when it comes to command. As I think back through my mental Rolodex of all of the people I know who have command in chaotic situations, many times those people naturally step into the leadership role to lead people out of chaos. But then there's also this, this, um, ambitious side, ambitious is not the right word, maybe bold side that says, you know, I'm going to tell you like it is, no matter who you are, Absolutely, <laughs> I'm going to give you the truth. And Always. I, I appreciate that both sides of it. So it's so interesting. I don't, that might be a new little keyword for me. <laughs> I, I like that really... because mm. I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, you know, when, if there's uh, and this is true of like volunteer team sports, like this is true. Mm-hmm. Just name it, you know, PTA. This is in every area. If there's a vacuum of leadership, I cannot not step in, not to be the one in charge, but the one to bring um, structure and order and process so that we can actually achieve outcomes. I am not an output oriented guy. I could give a crap about activity management, right? We don't want to measure uh, the wrong things. We want to measure the results of those things. I, I had a sales rep, just as an example, a young sales rep who, uh, early on in this, in this transition, I was, you know, training how to think differently and how to work differently. And this person who was demonstrating that they were doing some of the things I had taught and he was very proud and said, look, Anthony, for two weeks in a row, I've managed all this. I've done it all this way. I'm getting better. And I'm like, that's really great. What did you do? And I said, I said, what came from what you did? And he's like, well, I made, you know, 200 calls a week for two weeks. I go, great. How many opportunities do you identify? Well, none, but I made 400 calls. And I said, so let me help you. What if after 50 calls and it wasn't working, you changed tax and tried something different? What could you have accomplished in the time that you spent on those other calls doing? And he's like, but I got to make the calls. I said, no, you will make calls as a salesperson. You're not paid to make calls. We're paid to help identify who has a pain point and an opportunity we can solve for. We want to connect with those people. Will that require phone calls? Yeah, probably. Are you here to make phone calls? No. The activity measurement of phone calls is the wrong measurement. We're not here 
to say, well, if you make enough calls, you'll get enough sales. The, the internet called and they want 19, you know, 90 back because that thinking is gone. We're in a client value centric mindset. You're here to deliver value to clients. We're not here to extract value from, from prospects and clients, right? We want to add it, not extract it. And so if you think about it that way, what you're going to do is look at where do you spend your time that adds the most value. And that's how you're going to understand if you're being successful not based on the activity metric alone. So for uh. your, you know, that's just, that's an example, but yeah, I, I, I don't mind walking in and, and having that point of view because I'm not trying to make them do a thing a certain way or, or aligned to my thinking. I'm trying to get them to learn how to ask better questions to get to better outcomes, not more outputs. And your knack for that your natural talent, you know, I can see strategic ideation command coming through in the way that you are clarifying, the way that you are creatively anticipating um, what's coming next for that person. I can even see that you are in some ways in a caring way, hello, relator, but in a caring way, helping them see their job from a totally different view, which is your strength. That's so amazing. Anthony, Let's talk about communication. I know it's not in your top five, but gosh darn it, you're my poster child for communication. So we have to talk about it. I remember, and, and I can regularly see you in it. I'm going to say communication for you is like experiencing flow, right? I That's mean, fair. tell me the story of what it feels like when you're communicating. Well, let's define what we mean by communicating. Um, are we talking about me standing in front of a room and talking at people? No, uh, that's teaching. So communicating happens when I have the opportunity to connect with, not at. And the with is about engaging them and bringing them into conversation, into dialogue, into discussion, um, showing them that they have a voice and an opportunity to add value and that the, you know, the HIPAA, what is it? The highest paid person in the organization or the highest paid person in the room, depending on how you look at those. Uh, I just, yeah, that's not the point. We're looking at how do I validate that you're here because what you're here to accomplish, you can do. And we need you to tell us because one of the things I think, um, as a communicator, I've really leaned into is when I learned about agile and, and the frameworks, uh, is what I started with scrum and all that. I, I didn't understand what agile really was. I knew how to do a thing. I didn't know why I was doing it. It just made sense, but I didn't get it. Once I learned what why is it changed the what, and I stopped leaning into the framework and I leaned into the mindset because if I can change your mind, then the behaviors will follow. But if I just focus on behavior modification, the moment uh, an issue happens or the stress is too high or a manager leaves, you know, your, your behaviors will revert back to even what wasn't working because you know it. And what I want you to do is change your mind so that you would never even consider going back to what didn't work. So the mindset over frameworks is a big part of this. Well, Agile helped me understand how to frame that how to describe that in a way that people could buy into something that was a different destiny for themselves and for their customers and for their peers. Everybody wins. It's win, win, win. There's not a downside to it. There is no downside. Does it look like hard work? Yeah, but I don't call that a downside. <laughs> that's an upside. Because when you do hard work that's meaningful, you are far more satisfied than when you do meaningless work that uh, you know anybody could do. And, and I, the idea is, no, what can you only you do? And how can you bring 
all of you to it because you're going to add far more value um, than anybody else in that space. So we, we always try to figure out what that looks like. And when you're dealing with very large groups of people, that one-on-one is difficult to do. So the communication skill for me is about how do I create that in a large setting and yet help them feel like I'm talking just to them and I'm helping Mm -hmm. just them. That's the, you know, teacher, mentor, facilitator, coach kind of hybrid. I have to step in and out of those roles as a communicator. Okay. So I can totally see that in you, but I've also been privileged to read your blog. I don't know if you still blog. Do you still blog, Anthony? Do you? Five years ago, your blogs were beautifully written. You have a way with words. Uh, a way that brought emotion, a way that showed your empathy, <laughs> for sure. You have lots of communication all over the place. I mean, I could, I totally see where your reward is in connecting one-to-one, even in large groups, but just ma- being meaningful. Do you experience flow? Like, do you experience that, that high level of losing yourself? The flow yourself? happens, yes. The flow happens when... Um, usually it's an area I have a lot of knowledge around. So I'm very comfortable. I think, uh, I think it was, it was it Einstein who said, unless you can explain it simply, you do not understand it well enough. Um, mm-hmm. so uh, I want to be a deep expert in the things that I'm teaching, but what's interesting is I don't actually know how to, I don't have to know if I'm working with a group, how to do every single person's job better than them when I'm, when I'm doing this facilitation or, or working with them on this thinking, this mindset, because it's not about the task. It's about the thinking of how you would approach any given set of tasks or any kind of role. And so that, that abstraction away from a role to a way is what I find so helpful. So when I get going um, and I have a timer when I'm doing large sessions or even with, you know, WebEx or Zoom, I, because I'll just get lost in it. And what will happen is um, I know that the, you just called it a coppage quote. Like there's stuff that I'll say, but I'm like, Ooh, that was really good. Hey, what did I just say? Like <laughs> I'm so <laughs> in the zone that I know something good just came out, but I'm not even cognizant of what it was. And hopefully it's being recorded or someone will repeat it back. And I'm like, Ooh, send that to me. That was a really good one. Like, I don't even know where that came from. That was good. Um, <laughs> So, but again, I think anytime you can work in the middle, you know, like sweet spot, that's that, that overflow is going to happen. But, um, for me, it's just been able to say no to a lot of things to then say yes to the things where I have the greatest opportunity to be in that situation. Right. And that's, you have to say no to a lot to, to say yes to the best. And I don't get to do it all the time, but when I do, I find that's where that flow happens is I have a strong command of what I'm talking about. I have a deep understanding of where we're trying to go as a group and what they're trying to achieve, what, what pain points and issues they're facing and pulling from my experience is part of it too. But then being able to empathize, um, with where the stories I'm hearing from them and relate to those stories and then come back and say, what if, and then I, it's vision, right? You paint a vision for people, which is just beyond where they could see, but close enough where they can still hear you as you lead them, right? So it's that kind of managing that tension and showing them that it's possible and being that hope that's attainable. It's not some theoretical model. It's actually, this is doable and we can, um, but it's up to you. It's not up to me. I can't make you get there. I won't even try. But I see this opportunity for you. And um, and you look at the greatest communicators who have ever lived, and they say things like, I have a dream. <laughs> there is mm-hmm. something beyond the person that is that is coming through, that they're seeing something and helping people buy in and, and, and understand 
what's possible. That's the essence of vision. And I'm, I'm real big on that. And, and I can see it and it's inspiring. I think, I mean, you, you have to have some world-class talent. I mean, I geek out, I geek out a lot and I get to work with some really smart people. I'm just lucky <laughs> that I've gotten awesome. to work with some really smart people. Uh, do it, because of the tech work that I do, I'm like, wow, I'm working with like the world class, some world class engineers. Anthony, you are my world class communicator. I and let me tell the, like, I gotta share the story. Like, if I'm thinking about something and I want just the right way to say it, I open up an email and I send it to you. You know, I, because you're generous and your advisement, you're generous in your uh, communication strength, and you'll share it with me. You'll kind of reword things back and forth for sure. me, and and even break it down. I mean, it's just like a gift of your light. I, I remember when the pandemic began, and I think I saw you. I, I remember it was like super cool because I was like, God, oh, that's creative, where you made yourself available for free 30 minute coaching for anyone who had perhaps been in a reduction of force uh, situation or just found themselves without yeah. work at the moment. And were you reviewing resumes? What, tell me what you were doing. Both reviewing resume, but that's kind of like, that's the easy thing to do. The bigger thing was to listen, right? There's so many people that feel um, wrongfully like it wasn't fair. It wasn't right. Um, some people were in situations that the company, it was clearly not just a cost savings measure. It was um, it was a grab for, for resource and money. And they just got rid of good people with that real good just cause. I mean, not in every situation, but yeah. uh, people were hurting. And I, and so I wanted to be able to person who could at the very least validate that their pain is real and that, that, that is unfair and it's challenging. Um, but here's the hope, right. And then yeah. to lead, to lead them down a path of what is possible. So yeah, I did review the resume, but more importantly, I wanted to help them think about what was their opportunity to self-reflect and then choose what would you do different now that you can. When I saw your post, what was going off in my mind was like, does anybody have an idea of how valuable that 30 minutes with Anthony Coppage is? You know, like, <laughs> could kind. you imagine? It's, I'm not being kind. I'm being serious. My maximizer was like, people need to take that him up on that. Like, I'm not between jobs, but can I take you up on that, Anthony? <laughs> Help me think about my work. Help me think about the way I'm doing I my marketing. I'm still you know? offering that, by the way. I still have on my LinkedIn profile, I have a pinned thing that says, you know, if at any point you need, just reach out. And so I... Yeah, because here's the thing. I could tell you, and I've said this well before the pandemic, but I can tell you exactly what I'm going to do to help your company. I could write it all out for you, and you're still going to hire me. Even if I tell you exactly what the steps are. Why? Because the way I know it is what you're hiring me for, not what I know. Mm-hmm. And so the way I, the way someone knows something is far more important than the, than the knowledge itself, right? Because that gives you the ability to then own something and create a way for someone else. That's super helpful. So yeah, I give it away. I give away as much as I can. Um, my caveat is I have, I always reserve the right to say no, you know, I've done some nonprofit coaching and one of the things that has used to happen, I, I just put a stop to it once I realized was I would say, you know, this is, this is my schedule. This is how I work. And I'd have when people say, well, we think because it's for this, you know, altruistic reason, uh, you should do it for free. And I'm like, well, I do pro bono work all the time, but I choose when it's pro bono. I'm not told when it's pro bono. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's just someone taking advantage of or being greedy. But generally I think uh, most people just are willing to 
Um, give a little bit away if you just will ask. I'm just making the ask for them overt. So yes. sure, if you want help, I'm happy to help if I have the time. And I genuinely will make the time. Yeah, you're, you're super generous with your time. Matter of fact, you've sent me multiple people who are going through career transitions. Some of them have been... Uh, I can think of two in uh, in particular who have been some of the most rewarding coaching relationships that I have had over the last decade, Anthony. And and it's because you yourself, number one, I can see your empathy. Empathy. It's so interesting that you said it's so I can. You offered your service like that at the beginning of the pandemic, and it's still offering it so that you could listen to them and so that they could feel heard. I know you didn't say that in that word, you know, like you're connecting with them, but gosh. What a what a privilege to use um, that time with you just to be heard. But okay, so you listen with a lot of heart, and you get into a lot of advisement conversations, and you send people to me every once in a while for coaching. But why is self awareness and understanding your strengths like? Let's go there for a minute. How is this so powerful, and why do you? tend to advise so many people to discover their strengths. I can speak for myself mostly in this one, Kathy. I, for the longest time, I thought that I was smart enough. I, you know, I'd earned it. I'd done this. I had a very egocentric, self-centered way of thinking about the way I contributed and how I should be rewarded, compensated, promoted, etc. And it was arrogance. Um, that arrogance was, um, it was based on something, right? There was some talent, there was some capability, but the expectation that I somehow just deserved all that was a huge limiter. My lack of self-awareness was a huge relational and career limiter to me. I didn't even know it until it was pointed out. And I had to do some real search, soul searching. And part of this was, um, you know, a deep years of counseling and therapy to go through and understand the childhood trauma that we all experience. Everybody experiences it and deal with the childhood trauma because it had informed so much of the way I saw myself and I saw the world. And so, um, out of that defensive posture, I was aggressive and, um, and it was in theory, you'd say it's self it is a self-defense mechanism, but it was expressed as a overt, um, aggressive way of just, um, not defensive, but I'm going to hurt you before you hurt me kind of thing. And once I started dealing with, uh, with that pain, the, opportunity to heal led to real vulnerabilities. And it, it came apparent to me that the healthiest version of me was this really mushy, um, uh, empathetic guy. And I've, I, I, you know, growing up in a Western culture, um, you know, I'm about to turn 50 and, uh, being a soft mushy guy was seen as weak, especially in business. And so I, I wasn't that. And I've since learned that empathy is like my superpower. And so being vulnerable and being even known as being mushy at times um, is not just good. It's great. It's not a weakness. It's a strength. Um, there are people that don't get that about me and I don't want to make them uncomfortable. But at the same time, I'm not going to back down from the way I'm wired. This is who I'm made to be. And I'm going to try to figure out the right construct and you know how far to go, what's sharing, what's oversharing, et cetera. But but I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna air on over than under, um, because I don't want it to be anything less than transparent, vulnerable, and authentic, because I think it invites people into real meaningful change when they see someone else who's gone through real meaningful change. 
So this is a long answer to your question, but the self-awareness for me was about doing the hard work of understanding, am I willing to deal with why my brokenness is broken and not hate myself for it, but heal myself through it? And the healing process has been super powerful. My relationships with family are so much better. I mean, it's just, it's night and day. Uh, my wife and I uh, married 14 years this year. I'd say we've been married uh, about seven of them really happy, <laughs> you know, because of the work. You do the work and it really makes a difference. Well, that's also the thing that from a career standpoint, doing that work has elevated my opportunity in the career space because it is a much more trustworthy, much more helpful, much more genuine person that people as a leader trust very quickly. Um, and these are all positive things that like I said, there's no downside. It's just hard work. Um, but it's really worth it. So when I say self-awareness, if you want to elevate your career, you want to elevate your relationships, you want things to be better, you start with you. And if you're willing to do that work, the dividends are exponential. My good friend, Jennifer Seuss, family and marriage therapist who also uses StrengthsFinder, taught me the, the saying, strengths is an inside job. You know, mm. understanding this and, and obeying your strengths, it's an inside job. And, and what you just said brought that to mind for me. You've done the work, my friend. Yeah, it's so been you really are... hard. <laughs> it's been really hard. <laughs> You've done the work. We're all on that journey, aren't we, though? I mean, we are all on this journey. And there's gifts and there's lights along the path. And so I'm grateful that you've been a part of my path. Before we wrap this up, you, you mentioned strategic was your strength to obey. This whole podcast came out of the fact that I wasn't obeying my strengths back in uh, the early, well, 2010, 2012 timeframe. And uh, it was a self-awareness issue. I didn't realize my belief needed to be obeyed all the time. I needed to keep my values in line. And uh, just a better awareness of my strengths has helped me in my um, life in general. Tell me a little bit more about your obeying your strategic. I cannot not see the big picture. It's the, the top, that the 100,000 foot view is where I, I naturally gravitate. Um, people often come to me with the, the symptom of the problem or the thing, the tactical, the, 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 mm -hmm. the task, the, the issue. And I immediately want to see the larger landscape. What's the context for that? What's happening? Why would that be happening? And I don't try to do this. This is not a, a thought that I think, well, okay, let's break this down. It just happens. So I don't even try to fight it anymore. I'm like, it's, it, I'm just going to go there. And I'm known more for that strength than just about anything else other than maybe empathy, um, which I said is my superpower. It, strategic serves me because it serves others really well. Because I found that most people start with tactical. It's easier to think of tasks and actions but less to consider if they should even take the task or action. Oh. People just assume that, well, I have to. And my question is, well, what if that's not true? What if you don't? What if it's not? So by help bring alignment, clarity, and purpose to people, to organizations and teams so that the focus is on the right work getting done and the right people doing it in the right way at the right time. So if it, you think about that. It's not just, did we do stuff? Did we do the right stuff the right way with the right people at the right time? And what can we do to even improve that for the benefit of others, right? So for your business, it's for the benefit of the customer. 
um, or for a nonprofit, it's for the benefit of their audience, right? So you're always thinking about the others. It's the what's in it for me principle with them, right? Where me is them. <laughs> and I think strategic is the strength I must obey because it's not even worth trying to fight. So I lean into it. It's, it's the, it is the way I add great, I hope great value to people and to the world at large. Um, so it's probably the one I can't not, I must obey that strength. Yeah. And hearing how you use it and I'm imagining you coaching people and asking questions and helping broaden their perspective. Is there any way that you keep your own, um, strategic wheels turning around your own life? Do you, do you have a partner to help you think at the big picture level for your life? Or do you take Sundays off to dream? I mean, like, tell us a little bit about how you utilize strategic inward. Such an interesting question. We have plans and goals, right? So I like mm-hmm. objectives. I like the idea of, of having a, a per- personal vision and a personal mission. And I'm not the same thing. So where I see myself is less about a financial status or a retirement age. It has to do with impact. And so when I assess where I am to prepare to what I want to be, a strategic mindset helps me see paths, opportunities, and obstacles to that so that I can then go address the next thing. Because, you know, one of the easiest ways to live life, I think the best ways to live life is do the next right thing. And then when you did that one, do the next right thing. And you'll know you're right because it's not self-serving. And so for me, when I look at where I want to have that impact, am I involved? Does it involve me? Do I benefit? Sure. Is that why I'm doing it? No, I really want to leverage who I am, the way I see things, the way I work for the benefit of others. And I think that's the idea of legacy that you leave something behind far greater than the sum of the parts of the things you did. Um, if I can impact people, I don't have to be famous to do that. I don't have to have a huge platform to do that. It's like starfish theory, right? The, the story of the old person walking on the beach and these people see he reaches down and he grabs a starfish that's washed up amongst hundreds and hundreds and throws one back and then keeps walking and skips a bunch and grabs one and throws it back. And they said, you can't save them all. Why do you even bother? He goes, well, it mattered to that one, right? That's, that's the idea is I can't do it all, but what I can do, I want to do really well. Um, so that intentional inward piece is something I think about. And then who I partner with in that is my wife, Babs and Babs is less strategic. She's far more, um, administratively gifted than I am. Cause I'm not, um, she loves getting down in the weeds. I don't. So the yin and yang of that is we then think through it together, but we dream well together too. So like we're going to Laguna beach for uh, my 50th or 14th because we both wanted to have something we could celebrate together in a really meaningful way. And so we're doing it a little bit different this year and we'll be there for a week. And I'm really looking forward to it next week because what we, what we're doing is building the thing to get to where that eventuality is not just to get to the thing. It's not about the thing. The thing is nice, but there's a reason for that. What we want to have coming out of it is why we would go put something into it. Does that make sense? Outcomes, uh, once again, just keeps being a theme in my life, but I, I, I'm over elaborating, but that's the answer. Just a long answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. 
Oh, and it's inspirational. And that's why I love talking to you. So thank you so much for sharing your strength story with me. Your communication is shining through in this podcast. And I'm so glad that we've recorded it. (laughs) I get to re-listen to it again and again. You know, I record these podcasts for me, Anthony. (laughs) I'm sure that you do. (laughs) (laughs) Because I love to listen to people's strength story. And I want to thank you for all that you do in your world and how you connect me to other people. I really appreciate you and thanks again for your time today what a privilege to be on your podcast my friend thank you kathy thank you for listening to obey your strengths to learn more about kathy or hire her for your company or private coaching visit obeyyourstrengths.com you can also find her on instagram at kathy.kirsten obey your strengths is produced by kirsten consulting llc in association with game day media out of san antonio texas